ready. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. It's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Good morning. This is Justin. Hey, guys. That's wow. right. We're ready. You guys are right? You, you good over there, Tom? I'm awake now, thanks to you guys. Me and Justin, we're ready. Justin, you had my back on that. I'm always on and around your back. I, I thought I was busting the door <laughs> in on Tom, and you got, and then you came in, and you like headlocked Tom. It I was see great. what you're doing. Let's be see honest. what's going on here. Let's be honest. We'd be a great morning show if yeah. we had a radio slot. We'd be the best. Some people do listen to this in the morning. Yeah. Shoddy yeah. doing traffic. They just woke up, and the people who listen to this at night, I hope they weren't doing allegedly doing cocaine when we because now they're really hyped. You guys I have different hopes. Bring it down. Let's I have take, different hopes. Yeah. Um, Chill out. Cool it out. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Well, Whew, sorry, little excited. Uh, somebody who does not do any cocaine ever. My nephew, a spry young man at the age of three years old. I, after about 45 minutes of running around with him today, I felt like I played a game of rugby mm. against, like, the guys in Jesus Peace or something. Like, I, like, a, like, a, like one of those beat down, like, like, I, like Tomorrow's Victim. Right. Like, one of those tough bands was just rugbying, like, my knees with a lead pipe or something, man. Well, I, I always He's, advocate yeah. for full contact uh, sports with, with children under five. I think yeah. you gotta toughen them up. Well, no, he, like, I felt like, the, he felt great, because he was, like, running around and beating me up. I was the one who was victimized. I'm trying to apply <laughs> that I'm so out of shape that playing with a three-year-old felt like getting beaten up by the entire East Coast uh, uh, beat-down hardcore. Oh, uh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. You weren't. It wasn't like you know going to the gym, like hitting the bag. You know, like no. I was tenderizing that you know that nephew. I was, would, I was, I was hitting the grass. Sore after, yeah. Pounding <laughs> the grass, trying to re like it was like Chris Farley activating his heart in that skit. Uh, but I did get new Reeboks. Check it out. Looking I got some new fresh. sneakers. Yeah, yeah these are, are yeah, very nice. Um, there's a type of... It doesn't matter. It really, you know, the Air Monarch by Nike is kind of like the, the go-to dad shoe, you know, or like or the New Balance. Sure. Uh, you know, those like... But really, Reebok and Field, they, everybody makes a dad shoe. This is the Reebok dad shoe. Well, in your case, the uncle shoe. Yeah, the, the uncle, uncle shoe. Yeah, it's a go-to uncle shoe. Um, it's just kind of like that got that huge oversized like uh, heel, you know, and it just it looks vaguely like a football, but it's still enough of a sneaker to where you feel stylish as a big man. Right. I got these at um, uh, wait for it. I got these at Island Thrift in Medford for uh, three ninety nine. What? Yeah. yeah, fresh though. For the listeners, are these fresh? That's very fresh. I don't give two fucks, dude. I don't listen to Macklemore, but that thrift source, I feel that song uh, lyrically. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a proponent of his brand of hip hop. Mm -hmm. I'm more of an East Coast '90s guy. But the thrift store song, I was inspired. Uh, and these Reebok Uncle shoes are doing it for me as I recoup um, uh, from that. But enough about me. Yeah. I they, had they, a, they really do say my my brother or sister has a kid. They, yeah, they, they do, that. right? Like, I'm not the responsible one in the family, but I play with the kid. That's what these shoes <laughs> yep. did today. And kept him clean, on, yeah. you know, on the grass. Yeah, I, well, I only wear, I want. I don't want him to remember me as bummy. I wear all my nicest clothes when I play with my nephew. It's my strategy for when I get old and, he, you know, he, he can still invite me over because I have class. That's right. Listen, <laughs> I just want to elaborately explain why I'm so pumped and I came in so hyped today. I was Uncle Will today, but what about you, Justin? Yeah, I'm slightly less pumped. Uh, you know, still having a good time. Good. All uh, right. I, I waited on hold uh, with my bank for an hour and a half today. Dynamite. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, there was no reason for that. I didn't, right. I didn't even know there was that many customers at the small credit union that uh, I'm a member of to even necessitate a, a wait like that. But, you know, these things happen. These are trying times. The new normal, build back better and all the buzzwords, as they say. Mm. I wish I didn't say that one. But, you know, having a good time. Uh, and... My dog is here, so um, we're chilling. Okay, so uh, banking dogs, <laughs> mm. uh, relatable content. Tom, how you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I had a busy day. I'm learning some new programming languages, so I'm um, I'm tired. And uh, speaking of dogs, my dog today exhibited I what you would call some problematic behavior. Oh, I miss oh, no. I miss your dog. Don't break my heart. Did she cancel somebody? Oh, she's well. She canceled my afternoon. You see, I was sitting in the kitchen, uh, letting her run around the backyard. She comes to the back door. She scratches. Time right. to come in. Of course, come on in. What is this smell? 
rolling around in shit. Yeah, uh, oh. shit all over this dog. Ooh. Never before have I seen this, but we we have a new shower at the house. Yeah, and I was able to just toss her right in. Okay, went in with you know my basketball shorts and just scrubbed a dog for about thirty five minutes. Amoebic dysentery style. Uh, shout to them, great gore grind band from uh, Georgia, circa early two thousand. I'm so I'm sorry, I'm stuck in a moment. No, it's okay. It is a heavy metal. Yeah. And uh, is, is your dog okay? She's fine. She okay. smells better now. Uh, yeah. She'll never okay. smell good, but. That's that was my day. That's that's the uh, highlight of that's my great. day. I was watching a uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which is a great a great film uh, or documentary of the Middle Ages, depending on how you look at it. But there, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Costner did rub uh, rub shit on his uh, cloak at one point to to mask himself, to disguise himself as a, a more lower class citizen, so he can get in there and really stick it to the sheriff. And that kind of, you know, you know, didn't he also drink the the filtered piss in Waterworld? Uh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. There's, water like a, is, there's water an interesting great. underlying scat porno grind uh, current yeah. running through Kevin Costner's uh, film where there's a thematic mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, consistency there. We may have to look into. I always thought Waterworld should have been should have been called like like Liquid Life, you know, because there's so you know there's a lot of liquid. Um, a lot of fluid swapping, a lot of uh, shots of liquid, various origins uh, going on there, and not, not so much not of a, solids. Not a like, not a COVID movie. Like this, you know, the, the yeah, yeah, the, the bacterial spray in that movie. Yes, yikes. Um, well, I, you know, this is it's we 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 got to cancel the interview and get a porno grind well, guest right now. This is going really crazy. Well, we're in this really but, cinematic no, not realm tonight. right now. Okay. Not tonight, Will. Okay. Well, so we're all right. So night at the cinema. Uh, tonight's guest is not going to compliment waiting on the phone uh, f- with the bank uh, while you, while while petting your dog, your therapy dog, uh, as you have anxiety. It's not going to compliment um, cleansing your dog who is rolled around in feces of indeterminate origin. Um, but there may be a gore grind guest that could easily fill that slot one day. You never know. But I talked about uh, um, uh, youthful exuberance, the young people. Uh, the talented young people who inspire us, uh, such as my nephew, another talented young man inspiring us uh, recently, Alex Haddad, very talented guitarist, uh, instrumentalist, um, uh, sometimes he plays the bass, who knows, we're going to get into it with him, because we're a big fan of the new Desiderium album, Shadowburn, which is his project, also a member of Archaic. Shout out to listener Brian Hunt for sending that our way. Wouldn't be doing this without you, mm-hmm. nephew there. of nephew of the pod. Okay, yep. get him on the phone. No, no, I mean, not not Brian Hunt. We don't have his number. Uh, we don't take that information or share it on your on when you share. Get get Alex Adat on the phone. Podcast. This is Big Will, uh, joined as always by Tom and Justin, and Hello. Justin's dog Alice tonight. Uh, but more importantly, our guest uh, on Skype is Alex Haddad of Desiderium and Archaic. Uh, thanks a lot for your time, Alex. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. And some of the listeners might remember that we recommended Desiderium's uh, new album, Shadowburn, that came out this year, 2020. It's on Bandcamp a few episodes back. Um, and we want to talk to you about that, about your work with Archaic and all sorts of stuff, uh, other projects you've been involved in. But starting off, uh, you're originally from California, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was born in Alabama, actually. Okay, originally <laughs> from Alabama. <laughs> well, yeah, but I grew up in California. Yeah, I moved there okay. when I was four and then lived my whole life there till, uh, till 18 and then I came out to Arizona. Okay, well, uh, what part of California? Uh, it's a little town called Thousand Oaks. So it's like um, north of LA, I believe. But uh, yeah, in a place called Conejo Valley. Okay. Kind of suburban little town. Are there musicians in your family? Is there uh, any kind of rock or heavy metal in your family? Anything like that before you? I would say I brought the metal for sure. Um, my mom like played piano when she was younger and she got pretty good. Uh, she still knows how to play a bit, but um, 
my middle sister, I'm the youngest of two sisters, um, she got really, really into like classical music and started playing an orchestra, started playing the stand-up bass. So uh, she kind of pushed me to, um, I, I played bass first. So she kind of just got me interested in instruments in general. And then uh, I just got super into metal from like Guitar Hero, to be honest. <laughs> that video game kind of made a lot of people my age uh, get exposed to like old metal that we would have never heard otherwise. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a, a bit of a theme. We we keep getting on the yeah. show, and it's a it's it's a pleasant surprise every time. Because I mean, yeah. I I played a fair amount, you know. That definitely exposed me to a few things, even though I wasn't to metal before. But I saw the bridge, and that's it's good shit. Yeah, it was such a, like a an addicting game, and then you keep playing it so much, and there's like such good music in there too. So, kind of just gets you into it. Lots of different genres too. So it was, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've heard that from a few people now um, through through different episodes. That's interesting. So, um, so you, so you come from a family where music is appreciated, uh, um, music is performed. People can uh, obviously obviously like uh, infer in you some appreciation of music, uh, and you say th- through uh, the Guitar Hero video game, right? Um, it's uh, you kind of like start to appreciate different styles of metal. When do you start noticing, like, because I mean, Necrophagist isn't in Guitar Hero, right? Correct. No, yeah. Okay. So, so <laughs> there, was like, some, there was some customization going on later on, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, like, and also maybe in your town, it's Thousand Oaks, right? Um, that you said. Uh, is, is there underground record stores? Do, do, do bands come through? Do you have to travel to see bands? No. So that was like probably the least metal city ever. Uh, <laughs> like we had to metal, and that was it. Um, but uh, that, it was only like 45 minutes from LA, from like Hollywood and all that stuff. So pretty much, I was pretty spoiled on like good concerts. Like any band I wanted to see, there was always an LA date. So I got to see plenty of live music. Yeah, we're the same way because we could always, um, up and up until recent events, we could drive out to uh, Brooklyn and see bands any night of the week and stuff. We were spoiled like that too. Right, um, yeah. For a long time. So when did things take a turn for the more extreme music that uh, you can't really find in, in your more commercial routes like Guitar Hero and stuff like that? Yeah, for me, it was because uh, I was really into like thrash metal from the Guitar Hero stuff. So Megadeth was like my favorite band, um, I don't know, when I was like 11 or 12. And they did that thing, that Gigantor tour. Um, they had some like more modern, like extreme bands. But the one that really got me was Children of Bodom. Because uh, I was pretty turned off by like death metal. Like I remember hearing Cannibal Corpse when I was really young and just being like kind of grossed out. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, it was too extreme. I wasn't ready. Uh, but Children of Bodom, that was like a perfect bridge because I was listening to a ton of like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and. Bodum had that like perfect mix of like old heavy metal and like you know very melodic and kind of like rock and roll at the same time of like being extreme so they just bridged the gap for me perfectly and then I got really obsessed with all the melodic death metal just from like uh, exploring the internet and it just kind of went from there like domino effect okay and um now I know uh, you know just just from l- looking you up and stuff, uh, you were involved in the project Nulling Roots, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, obviously you've been doing Desiderium for quite some time now. I think your first release goes back to 2013, right? Correct. Yeah. So t- take me through. Are there bands before that? Um, do you, do you start jamming with people like like or you know or is it pretty much just the bands you're known for at first? Yeah, I mean, I I had wanted to play in a serious band since I was like 12. So um, me and one of my other friends who was like also really into metal, has the same name as me. um, Like I showed him the Desiderium stuff and we just like really wanted to get a band for that. But um, even my older stuff was always like over 10 minutes long. So being like a 14 year old trying to find other teenagers to play that just didn't work (laughs) out. Um, And like, as I said, my city, my hometown city was not metal at all. Uh, but there's a lot of neighboring cities and we eventually use like Facebook to find other metalheads our age. So that's how I joined my first band. It was called uh, Chains of Atlas. Uh, it's just kind of like a power metal, heavy metal thing. Um, but you know, it was, like, it was a high school band. <laughs> so got to start I, somewhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool for that age. You know, we still got to like play live and that's ultimately really what I wanted to experience. Um, I actually did eventually get a Desiderium lineup 
by the time I was like 16 and we played like three shows but those guys lived pretty far from me and um, it was just kind of hard to like do everything I wanted to do with it so I, I called it off eventually um, so yeah I would say Nolan Roots was actually like the first really serious band I joined where like me and the guys were all on the same page about what we wanted to accomplish and what we wanted to do Okay, and that's, um, from what I understand, it, it seems like it was at one point a one-man project. The uh, the person, uh, Cameron, I guess, Cameron. Mm-hmm. who's uh, who's credited for um, a, lo- a lot going on there, I, I guess you you joined in and, and you you started contributing to that band? Yeah, so he uh, he's from California, too, and that was his solo project. So he did the first three albums um, completely by himself. And then right when that third album, Take Care, came out, I joined like a week before that album came out. And um, I really didn't have a ton of like musician friends here to make music with. So I met him from like Craigslist (laughs) and uh, we hit it off like right away, had very similar taste and similar goals for music. So we actually became roommates shortly after meeting and um, we would just write, we like respected each other's music. So we would write our own songs so the next two albums, albums four and five, uh, like half the songs are his, half of them are mine. Okay, and, and did you guys play out a lot? We played locally. Yeah, we never got to tour or anything, but um, we played locally. We got signed to Prosthetic when we did our first album together, uh, Into the Gray. And then they, uh, they booted us off after that one <laughs> for not being active enough. Mm. So we did the fifth album independently, and um, the band just kind of uh, dissolved after that kind of naturally okay uh, you know which which happens man um and at, at least uh, you know the music is there people could still go back and check it out and what's yeah. funny is before when you were talking about not being able you know being uh you know very i think you said what 14 and not being able to find people to play the type of music you wanted to play yeah uh it kind of it reminded me of a little bit of a parallel to well when we interviewed um phil tuga Oh yeah, of yeah. Uh, oh. of of uh, Chethel, I can't say Chethelis <laughs> and, and all those bands, uh, which is interesting because you guys kind of run in similar circles of death metal nowadays and progressive metal. And I noticed um, we were going to get to it. Brady Smith, uh, Brody Smith, uh, Smith, right? Um, Smith. Uh, the drummer programmed the drums on your latest album, and he's worked with uh, Equipoise. If I say yeah. Rice, which is, you know, Phil Two Guys. So there's a connection there. Just interesting because it's kind of like I, I see you guys um, uh, and, and a lot of other artists. You're, you know, you, um, you guys work with Artisan Era, the label. It's kind of a, a very specific new generation of, I guess you could call it tech death, progressive mm. death metal. But you guys are doing something very specific to this generation. Is that fair to say, do you think? Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I guess... Being that like artisan era is a thing now, it seems like a lot of bands in the whole like progressive tech world had kind of a vision where they wanted to push metal, like not have to focus so much on being purely brutal all the time. Yeah, like have this kind of like magical or symphonic element or cinematic element, um, which I think like yeah, the artisan era is just like a hub for that whole new sound. Um, so I'm a huge fan of them and and. It's just an exciting scene to be a part of. Yeah, and, and I know you recently, you joined Archaic, what, like two two years ago? 2018, yeah. So you were on tour with them when they did the Beyond Creation and Fallujah tour? Yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of sums up, like, in my eyes, because you have Beyond Creation and then you have Fallujah, so you have, like, that um, that really shredding, technical, kind of brutal tech death side. But, you know, with Fallujah, they, they brought something very cinematic like i call it ear candy and i say that respectfully uh you know it's it just does something to you when you when you listen to it so it's like it's the convergence i think like you said it doesn't always have to be brutal and shredding um you you can convey a lot more emotion and cinematic appeal and i think you've done that with desiderium to like an, uh, an extreme right thanks man um yeah i mean i would totally agree with uh pretty much everything you just said like fallujah that was a huge band for me in high school um they were one of those bands that when i heard them i was like no like that's the that's the sound i'm yeah. trying to it's like they're just ahead of me like they're doing it before i've been able to like do it myself you know so i took a lot of influence from them especially like the nomadic ep that was like huge for me um but yeah ear candy is what i would describe it as too 
and not in a like cheesy way just like it's it's very stimulating to your ears and uh it's kind of like almost drug-like for lack of better words like you just have to keep listening to it it's kind of addicting feels so good yeah (laughs) yeah compelling yeah um yeah yeah, well you know and and there's similar qualities throughout um so now and and i also you know i just want to cover all the ground here i know that you did a stint with uh if i say it right veil of nath right yeah yeah uh was that around the same time you joined archaic yeah, so I joined Archaic when we did the Devastation on the Nation with, uh, that was when Aborted headlined with Psychroptic. And um, Veiled Nath was on that bill as well. So I got to know those guys. And then uh, they did the next Devastation on the Nation, so 2019. Uh, so that one, Veiled Nath was on, that's when Dark Funeral headlined. And then they needed a guitar player to sub in. So uh, having already known those guys, they asked me and I was very, very stoked to do it. <laughs> And they had just put out a curse, and I was a huge fan of that EP. So, wow. So, and this was—I mean, so this was pretty much the extent of your touring experience, I guess, was in 2019. Yeah, man, I'd never toured before that. So, like 2018, I got to do this really cool tour, and then the next two I did were also like equally as uh, equally as awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, you so, hit it hard, man. Yeah, it's been a cool couple of years. So, um, yeah, and, you know, like we say to everybody, uh, you know, we, we hope uh, everyone can get back to a productive, uh, you know, cycle. Um, you know, this year knocked a, a lot of cool stuff out for everybody, man. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, but that, that's interesting because, uh, you know, from a very young age, you're uh, um, uh, a, an ambitious musician. Uh, you're working with different people. You're playing locally. But the tours that you went on, you know, you know those aren't... Um, uh, very like small fly by the seat of your pants tours you were on. Those were fairly professional metal music industry tours as they go. Uh, like what were maybe some things you didn't expect and some like like learning curve type of thing, you know, things that you weren't ready for or things that you learned along the way uh, just that anyone would learn new to that? Um, man, I think the biggest thing is just uh, being like such a fan of metal throughout my teens and everything. When you're like just such a massive fan, you always kind of like, you don't necessarily see the guys behind the band as like normal dudes. <laughs> so getting to just like tour with these bands that I've looked up for, looked up to for so long, uh, and just getting to know them and seeing them as like just good people, good like normal, cool people, um, that's been an awesome thing. So I think it's made me a lot more just confident, like interacting with other musicians. Um, so that that's helped a lot. Uh, just being around those bands and, and around the musicians that I love. But other than that, I don't know, I like I fantasized about touring for so long it just when it finally happened, it didn't feel like that weird. I was really excited, but it was just like finally, you know, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to be there, man. Yeah. Um, uh so alright, so with uh, Desiderium, you you mentioned that you did have a lineup at one point. Obviously things are going crazy right now. But were there plans to resurrect it as a live band, um, much the same way that you're working with other people as a session musician for their bands? Yeah, yeah. The goal's definitely always been to get a live, you know, a live band for it. I would love to like tour with it. Um, I would say that's more promising right now, just because like the last album, Shadowburn, has been the, been the first one that's had like any sort of actual response or like gotten any sort of audience of any size to like enjoy it so um and i just know a lot more musicians now so i feel like i could possibly make that happen if i put my energy into it um so that's definitely a plan for like the next couple of years coming up whenever shows come back yeah. yeah i mean yeah the 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 album um you would definitely have a lot of really good musicians interested in playing that music because it's it's really interesting music like it's um like um, we were, were kind of mentioning before like the ear candy thing and stuff like that and something I realized about the Desiderium stuff I don't know if this is intentional or not but it's it's like there are no riffs there are motifs like yeah. everything like it, it flows so well and it changes like subtly throughout like it's um, yeah it, I, I recognize the amount of like uh, attention to detail you've given it so I, I, I'm sure a lot of musicians would be interested in playing uh, with you live on that one. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's cool to hear. And and we talk about um, you know we t- we say the word cinematic uh, you know to describe certain things. What? Let me ask you this: What about um, video game music? Uh, mm. And and the music that's used in video games is that appropriate um, to say maybe plays an influence? And I mean, we talked about Guitar Hero, but I'm talking more about music that's composed for you know hours of dramatic, epic gameplay on some of these newer video games, that sort of thing. Yeah, man. I mean, that's uh, probably like one of my biggest influences for sure. Um, I'm a huge video game nerd, especially like Nintendo games, um, old like Japanese role-playing games for like the PlayStation 1. So I think that's like the golden era for, for me, like Final Fantasy 7 through 9 and uh, Xenogears, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross, all those games, like the soundtracks are just so hypnotic and they capture the atmosphere that they're in. Like, I always try to go for, like, an otherworldly thing. Like, when you listen to my music, I want it to be, like, close your eyes and you can picture yourself in, like, a very specific place. And just the way that video game composers can do that, um, just capture the mood and the atmosphere so well and make it so, like, you know, it's just on loop for hours as you're playing. So, like, it can't suck. It has to be good. (laughs) Uh, You you mentioned PlayStation 1. Uh, when I first saw the cover for Shadowburn, it, the color palette looks like something that would have yeah, been yeah. a PlayStation 1 game. Yeah, I think I told the artist, uh, Justin Abraham, I think I in like our initial messages, I said uh, I want it to look like a like Japanese role-playing game. Yeah, like, that, that well, was, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> <That's awesome>. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's cool, man. And yeah, there's just uh, there's an interesting quality there. And... Um, yeah, like maybe just like me being, uh, you know, a little bit older, it it, it sounds like uh, some of the very slick production you get from maybe like some more some more modern electronic music, and uh, I've I've you know I've read some articles referencing um, the new album, and and one of them referenced like SoundCloud producers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah could you talk about? Because like, what is that? I mean. For me, I barely ha- I have a vague idea what that means, and I'm sure there's some people that are a few years older than me that that are like you know we're losing them. So so what does that mean? Like the whole SoundCloud thing? Yeah, yeah. Like like what influence? What artists? Is this like a, a, a different genre of electronic music? What's going on? Yeah, man. Um, so like the type of music I'm talking about is like the whole cloud rap thing, um, like mumble rap, cloud rap, whatever you want to call it. Um, the thing that I like connect to it with is when I'm here doing like the orchestrations, I'm not composing like I actually know what I'm doing from like years of studying classical composition or whatever. I haven't done that. So like when I'm over here, I'm just using native instruments and like using the sounds that are available to me. And so with all that like cloud rap stuff, I really hear like the producers are clearly just dudes in their bedrooms, like with big imaginations. And I really connect to that to like the sounds they go for and like trying to make this like crazy huge dreamy sound um so i think that's just like a really nice escape for me i I don't listen to a ton of metal these days just because i write and record so much of it Uh, so i just like to listen to like stuff where i don't really have to like try hard to enjoy it it's just on and like i instantly either like the beat or i don't and uh, there's, I don't know, there's just like such a like innocent level of creativity with all that stuff that I really like to take from. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I've I dabble sometimes. I've ever, you know, I want to listen to some new stuff. Like for me, I, you know, I'm I'm more of like a '90s hip hop head, and I like some of the old mixtape stuff where they would, uh, uh, you know, blend different records together, and you know, back, they, you know, a little bit later on, they chopped and screwed stuff down south, and I see right. that as kind of like an evolution of that creativity in hip-hop you know like the ingenuity you know especially yeah that southern like old like southern hip-hop i feel like that's kind of what they take their sound from completely yeah yeah man that's and yeah like i know like vaporwave is, a, is kind of a thing now and and you know we talk about like the playstation kind of look to the art uh, you know i, I kind of see like a, a a similar appeal there yeah totally uh so with now with Shadowburn. I mean, obviously, there's a progression there because, like you said, like how old were you in 2013 when when Life Was a Blur was uh, released? Um, I wanna. I was 18 at that time. 
18. Okay, so so I'm, so this is you know there's an obvious progression there, but you know um, shadow shadow burn is something kind of special. Uh, you mentioned Fallujah. Um, like, what are some of the other elements that you say have changed in the last three or four years since? Uh, is it is it Rain Gates? Yeah, Rain Gates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what? Like what has changed? What did you put into this? Do you feel your live experience with these other bands in the last few years all all of a sudden went into this? Like, what was the defining elements that that made Shadowburn uh, such a more evolved release? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, the first two albums, uh, Life Was a Blur and Rain Gates, those are both like. Material-wise, those are really old. So I finished writing both of those by the time I was like 17. And then, I mean, Rain Gates didn't come out till I was like, uh, I think that was 2017, so I was like 22. Um, all I'm trying to say is those are like old albums. Uh, and then I wrote a few albums after that as well. More like long form songwriting, very progressive. Um, I'm actually working on one of them right now. But I just wanted to do something a little bit different, like you said, like with the live experience and touring with all these bands and just kind of being in a live setting all the time and seeing the type of music that really makes the audience go nuts. Um, I wanted to do something that was just instantly, instantly satisfying to listen to, like not like a three minute instrumental buildup to a song, like just start the album and it's instantly in your face and there to enjoy. So yeah, that's like, Shadowburn is a lot newer than like the next album that you'll hear. <laughs> and and uh, we, we mentioned before Brody Smith, um, drummer of Proliferation and um, has been involved in other projects. He he handled the drum programs on this. Uh, I, I guess you guys probably met through you working with other bands or, or so you want to take us through like um, just him and what he brought to the project? Yeah, yeah. So with that Beyond Creation tour that we did with Archaic, um, he was playing drums for Equipoise on that tour. So they were also on that bill. Um, that's how I met him and just like watching him every night. I was like, who the hell is this dude? Uh, just incredible drummer. So I just asked him one night if he'd ever be interested in like helping me with some of my solo stuff. Uh, he said he was down. So I wanted to get him on the whole album, like write drums for the whole thing. Um, but the dates I had secured to get it mixed and mastered were kind of like too soon for him. He was touring and doing drums for a lot of other projects too. So he ended up doing the drums for three of the songs and then he just kind of like added, you know, velocity hits and fine tuned the other ones that I did and and made them sound more like a drummer programmed it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, I mean, again, there's a distinction between, um, uh, you know, shadow burn and, and like you said, rain gates and, and life was a blue. That's just one of them. And um, something I wanted to talk about, too, was I noticed that you had a project this year, if I pronounce it right, Empiric. Uh, Uh, Empiric, I think. Um, Yeah, uh, E-M-P-Y-R-R-H-I-C for the listeners. 2020 demo. Um, I wrote it down with, uh, if if I got it right, Andrew Brashears and Brian Miller of the band Depraved Heretic uh, you collaborated with on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that was... Um, I enjoy uh, Desiderium a lot, but that's a little bit more... Empiric was a little bit more up my... You know, I'm more straightforward and, and brutal and death metal. That that was a little bit more up my alley. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah, Depraved is a band that, like, they've been doing their thing in Arizona for a long time. I think Andrew's, like, the founder of that band. Um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of cool musicians have played in that band. Um, a lot of dudes that I know and respect and i played just a couple shows with them and but me and andrew still jam and and just jam like opeth and death at his house so he wanted to do a new project so he wrote those songs for inferic and then i recorded guitars yeah it's really cool stuff though i like it yeah very very straightforward but still um interesting and progressive and and technical and you know kind of you can hear that signature on it of like tech death um uh, really cool stuff and i just wanted to uh, talk about that for for a minute for the listeners too, um, and not let that get overshadowed. Um, and I know with Archaic, I imagine you guys probably had to cancel some shows this year, um, if that's an understatement, right? Yeah, we were about to like, do our first European tour. Um, that was with uh, Vervum and Irreversible Mechanism. I believe they were on there. A really cool tech band. Um, but yeah, that like the lockdown happened I think just a few weeks before that tour was going to start so 
Yeah, which which explains. I know you recorded. You were part of the singles uh, "Supernal Flame" in 2019 that was released. Right. Yes, and I guess you know. Obviously, you guys were ready to go on a European tour, not record an album, and then the lockdown happened. So it's like, you know, like, what do you do? Yeah, we were going pretty hard at the recording. I think the goal was to like finish recording the album before the tour, or like get most of it done. Okay. So yeah, I was going really hard <laughs> with trying to finish the tracks, and then the lockdown happened, and we all just kind of got uh, pretty deflated. But just in the last month or two, um, we've gotten really back into it, and should be all finished recording by this year, by the end of this year. Okay, all right. So, you, so nice. you did have a lot of the album done before uh, uh, you had to cancel the tour. You wanted to get it recorded before the tour. Yeah, that was the goal. Okay. And then everything fell apart, like like so many other as things. the world. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been seen. All right, all right, man. And we've been, you know we've been keeping up. We see archaic on social media, and there's some YouTube stuff. Um, as, you know, as with uh, Desiderium, uh, you know, have you have you found like. Um, uh, with the social media like have you been following streaming shows and uh trying to like like expand with your own projects i mean you're you're kind of a younger guy so you grew up with that with the, with social media yeah i've caught a few a uh, few like i watched the devin townsend crappy halloween stream that was cool <laughs> um what was it maynard from uh tool he has that band pussifer my girlfriend's like a huge fan of so we got to watch a really cool concert they filmed in arizona um other than that, I, yeah, man, my, the winds have been taken out of my sails, so I haven't been like even listening to that much music. Um, yeah, just trying to use this time to like record on stuff that I haven't recorded yet, and like finish the archaic album. Any uh, any chance of you guys any of your projects doing some sort of live stream? Have you guys uh, talked about that? Um, maybe it's just in the idea phase. We've talked about it. Yeah, it's more in the idea phase right now because I think we're just prioritizing. Um, finishing up the recording uh, but I know we want to do some sort of like album release uh, whether it's like a one off date show with like social distancing or do like a live stream and just play the new stuff um, that's definitely something we want to do so yeah I mean we're trying to to adjust to all the changes happening yeah as is everyone man as is everybody um, mm-hmm. so well uh uh you know, we talked about your bands. Um, uh, we talked about uh, the, the amount of uh, different projects you've been involved in. Is there uh, is there anything else that we missed? Any other um, like you know they call, quote unquote COVID projects? Things you've been working on uh, since you've been locked in? Maybe something non metal. Um, as far as stuff that'll get released, it's all that stuff. Like I'm working on the fourth Desiderium album right now. Guitars and bass are just about done, and drums. Brody did wow. all the drums. That one too. Okay, cool. uh, coming in quick. Yeah, yeah, because I've got all that material that I've just never recorded, so it's like, why not do it now? <laughs> Can't do anything. So for uh, pe- for people who like us who familiarized ourselves with Shadowburn, can you are you going to leave it a mystery, or can you tell us anything about the newer material in contrast? Yeah, so like, yeah, it's weird because it's it's actually older material. So I wrote this one from like 2013, and then probably finished writing in like 2017. Um, so I have to think of more like what I was listening to back then. I was really into like the newer wave of black metal, like bands like Kralis and Altar of Plagues, uh, maybe Deaf Heaven, stuff like that. Um, and old school stuff, you know, like Emperor and uh, a lot of old symphonic black metal. Um, but also like I was just starting to listen to uh, some of the like instrumental progressive metal stuff, like Animals as Leaders. that. I typically didn't like when I first heard it, but all of a sudden I started to enjoy it like that. And uh, a project that I really loved was called Chimp Spanner. So it's kind of a mix between like that really proggy, borderline like gent stuff. I would just say more like modern prog metal and like very black metal at the same time. Seven string guitar forum music yeah. is what it is. Uh, it's, it's a seven string album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Keith right. Merrow, Chimp Spanner is taking that shit back in the back. Yeah. So um, I think. I think we should dive into a little tech talk with this. Uh, I think uh, some of our listeners would want to know, like, uh, about your gear and, and guitars and stuff. Since we're I, on the topic, I exhausted my tech talk when we checked the microphone before the interview. <laughs> so <Yeah>. that's true. <laughs> yeah, uh, real quickly, like, um, when you're recording all this stuff, are you using like uh, Axfax or Kemper or uh, uh, yeah. one of those things, or 
Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm using my Axe Effects uh, too. So uh, now that I have, um, I, I had Mendel um, from, he, was, he used to play guitar for Aborted, so he mixed the Shadowburn album. And um, with that album, like I just recorded using wet tones. So like, you know, already pre-selected tones. And then I just sent that to him. With this new one, I'm just getting the DI track for everything. So it's all pretty simple. Just getting the DI track from the Axe Effects, and then oh, right. So you're mo- you're monitoring with a wet tone, and then giving him the dry to mess around with. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. I'm really not like a. I'm pretty new when it comes to tones and like guitar nerd stuff. Like I just like to play. So yeah, it's just- I really don't mess over my tone much. I just kind of choose one and then go with it. So it's probably best that he'll be like in charge of the final tones that you hear. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? It works out really well that way. If you just want to play, you know, I mean, um, iconic tones. Dimebag Daryl didn't give a shit about his tone in a lot of ways. People used to ask him, like, "Yeah, man, how do you dial your shit?" And he's like, "I don't know. I'm drunk, you know." I'm just, yeah, yeah. Like, that was amazing. good playing uh, is a lot more important than tone. So, I get that. I agree with that. Yeah, I think a lot of your tone just purely comes from how you play. So. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, tell us about your first guitar that you ever got. We kind of, we missed that. Man, the first guitar I ever got was uh, Epiphone Les Paul. Just because mm-hmm. the thing that made me want to play guitar was hearing the solo in Paradise City in Guns N' Roses. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. See, that that's a little bit more my generation than Guitar Hero. I, I, yeah. I, I can relate to that a little bit more, man. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a video of them playing live, and he was playing that solo with his Les Paul, uh-huh. and I was just... I want that exact guitar. Wow. So I got that. And then after that one, I got a, like a Randy Rhodes Flying V, and those are my, my first two guitars. That's all right. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough, man. It's pretty yeah. tough, too. Yeah. We've heard, we've heard worse for the first guitar question before, allegedly. I, I won't mention names. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and what are you getting into late? I mean, now, now that you've been touring with these bands, you're recording these, do you have any other, like, you have any like fun kind of crazy guitar that you don't play much or anything? You have any novelties? Are you a collector, or do you just kind of stick with the basics? Like I, I would be a collector if I could just buy guitars all the time. Um, <laughs> I do have quite a few guitars. Like my favorite guitar is in a case right now because it's broken, unfortunately. But I got this like Gibson SG. It was called part of the the Voodoo series, something. Um, but that's like the coolest guitar I've ever played. And it, unfortunately, the headstock broke. Like uh, Gibson SGs are infamously infamously known for um but other than that yeah i just like to play my jacksons um like my pink jackson dinky that's probably my favorite looking guitar uh, my favorite one to play is just the telecaster though i love telecasters and like gibson sgs just they're the most solid feeling guitars to me yeah a good telly man those feel nice yeah good telly's just the neck and everything and it, that's what i used to record shadowburn actually oh really tally with like very weak output pickups and i just wanted like a crunchier sound rather than something really high gain i would have not guessed that it doesn't, S- it doesn't sound like a tally that single coil that like uh that covered one oh. in the back man if you can see it oh, let's what do we have here old fender oh, yeah. pickups yeah so that's all i use uh two of the songs use seven strings so those ones are like the combination of the Jackson and the Schecter, but all the other songs were the Fender. Very nice. Hell yeah. And yeah, and then you have your Max Effects, which takes care of everything, like we said. Super really, chain. Yeah. Puts you in the future. Although right. it's the two, you know, it's kind of it's kind of classic already. Yeah, true. Yeah. I know. I was trying to decide if I should upgrade to a three, but I feel like there's not a huge, huge difference. So. No, and also you're working with DIs, so who gives a darn? Exactly. Yeah, man. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, that that being said, we talked uh, gear. We talked. I don't understand a lot of what you guys just said, by the way, but it's good because the, the listeners know about guitars and stuff, man. It's good. I just yeah. I grab the microphone and I growl into it, man. That's what I do. Uh, or talking to it now. I don't even have to growl anymore. This is a good gig. But uh, <laughs> it's not about me. It's about um, Alex Haddad. Uh, before we part ways. We always ask each guest, could you please recommend for us and for the listeners uh, one older and one newer release by any artist you like? doesn't have to be metal, just anything you want to recommend. Probably end up just saying metal albums. Um, 
for the older album, I would have to say uh, there's a band called Balsagoth. They're from the UK. Okay. All right. This very fantasy kind of black metal, melodic death metal thing. Um, but they've had like such a huge impact on my sound. I feel like not enough people know them. So I would say any of their first three albums, um, you're bound to enjoy if you're a, a true nerd at heart like myself. Otherwise, it might be a little bit much. Um, as far as new stuff, though, um, haven't listened to as much new stuff as I would have liked to, but uh, a band called Cosmic Putrefaction, or maybe it's a project, I think from Italy. Yeah. But they're, his album that he released this year has been like probably my most listened to. Um, just really brutal. It's really spacey in like a non-cheesy way. It's like actually kind of creepy sounding. <laughs> Um, but that and then a, a band uh, called Erroneous, they put out an album called uh, Perspicacity, I believe that's how you say it. But just really, really, um, you hear so much tech stuff that's hard to call anything technical, but that's like a very technical album. Like it, it has that like shock factor of can't really believe what you're listening to, but I'm still trying to like digest that one. Oh, okay. check what, that out. what was that? Uh, erroneous. I think it came out on the. I believe it came out on the Artisan era actually this year. Okay. All right. Erroneous. And um, yeah, that Cosmic Putrefaction. I um, I know. I believe there's a tape available on Caligari Records. If I wasn't mistaken, I think that's where I sampled that and was listening to that a few weeks ago. That's an interesting release. Yeah, Definitely. man. Um, Sweet. All right, man. Uh, so uh, Alex Haddad, uh, Desiderium has a Bandcamp. All three releases, including 2020's Shadowburn, are available on there. Um, I also, I, I got to recommend again that Empiric, E-M-P-Y-R-R-H-I-C, with members of Depraved Heretic, uh, very brutal kind of tech death album with a lot of uh, really cool progressive ele elements and uh, twists and changes in it. Um, and uh, of course, Archaic, uh, you know, you can always go back and check out that Supernal Flame single, and we're on the lookout for the new album you guys are working on, right? Absolutely. Did I, yeah, I did, did I cover everything? Anything else you want to plug? I think that was pretty solid, man. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> I try to do all the research, man. I try to make it easy on you, man. Yeah, um, no, that was awesome. Awesome. So, so Alex, we really appreciate uh, your time and your work and having you on the podcast, man. Any final words for fans of your music and listeners of our show? And just hang in there with all the bullshit happening. Uh, plenty of music coming out. Everyone's working hard, and when the world does reopen, uh, I think it's going to be quite the celebration. So. <laughs> Keep your head up. It's going to be all right. Thanks a lot to Alex Haddad uh, of Desiderium and Archaic and uh, the other projects he's been involved in that we talked about. Man, we appreciate his time. Good to hear from that young man. Uh, and we wish him the best as we wish everybody getting back to uh, more productive times with the music. Um, looking out for that new Archaic album they said they're working on. Um, and uh, we got we got the, we got got some tech talk and some video game talk in there, too. It was a lot of fun. I like, um, I'm a huge fan. If you guys yeah. couldn't hear it through the microphone, you can probably yeah. hear it in my, the sal saliva, the mouth clicking. <laughs> the wet mouth <laughs> but i'm a huge fan of the uh shadow burn album and it was great to get his perspective on it yeah uh but listen tough guy slow your roll i want to get your guys perspective on a couple of things uh and maybe you could tell me about some other stuff you've been listening to if, if, unless you just had shadow burn and constant repeat for like the last three months Cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm. Uh, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, that introduction, Will. Um, very much. Uh, so I'm bringing my my, my recommendation this week. Uh, what do you got? I'm talking about uh, Mr. Bungle. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've I, I've heard of them somewhere. Yeah. I, yeah. Bungled around a little bit. Um, oh. So this is their most recent release. This new mm. old release uh, called Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny. See so, yeah, There you go. I'm sure that was a joke at some point. Yeah. Um, came out October 30th this past year, but it's uh, actually a re-recording of their original 1986 demo. Um, most people know Mr. Bungle from their 99 release, California. A uh, very eclectic mix of uh, you know rock and roll and kind of 50s prom swing. Mm. 
Very cool. But uh, yeah, this this is kind of going back to, the, I guess, the original um, intention of this band was like a crossover thrash kind of deal. Um, so I've been digging it. It's very punky, very thrashy, as they say, you know, uh, not as eclectic as that California release, you know, more straightforward, but still with the kind of, you know, Mike Patton weirdness, which, which I love. Uh, this record features Scott Ian of uh, a band called Anthrax you might have heard of, and then uh, a man, Dave Lobardo, who plays drums for a few bands before. <laughs> and, uh, and I think their influence is shit. It's, it's there. Uh, it's, it's very, very obvious. Uh, but yeah, I've been you know I've been rocking and rolling, been putting up metal horns to this, uh, not in front of anybody I care about, and probably should not say that out loud. We but, know something about you now. Yeah, it's you and Scott Ian's beard putting them metal horns <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh man, so many images. So yeah, this is really cool. A lot of this reminded me of uh, a little system of a down, a little system of a down flare with uh, you know Mike Patton helps helps bring that kind of weirdness. But there's some you know. Um, T- like t- like silliness to it, tongue in cheek kind of goofiness with with the music. You know, I, it's it's done very deliberately. Um, but you know, they're having a good time. Let's just say that. I mean, I think like crossover kind of demands a touch of humor anyway. I but. um yeah, I, I I always liked Faith No More. Um, never been a huge fan of Mr. Bungle and some of his more eclectic stuff he's known to do. Uh, you know, I, I, I get I'm not, like, downplaying the guy's creativity or, or talent or anything like that. It's just not, not really for me. And this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that Dave Lombardo is uh, working and getting a check. God bless him. Yeah, this is not anything that is pushing any sort of boundaries. It's just that it seems like some people having fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Faith No More yeah. is definitely a home base for me when it comes to Mike Patton projects. Um, but... You know, I, I more enjoy like the soundtrack to the Crank movies uh, than than you any did those. Other, yeah, that's than, great. Than any wow. of the other stuff. So um, <laughs> shout out to Jason Statham. So yeah, man. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, just just trying to have yes, having fun. It's a good time. Dave, um, Dave Lombardo sounds good. He sounds good on this. That's yeah. cool. This uh, may might not be listening to this next week. Who knows? We'll see. But we're here right now. <laughs> Poland. We know about it. We heard of it. We got uh, this band Zatrata. Oh, well, that name. I love Z-A-T-R-A-T-A. it. Z-A-T-R-A-T-A. It's like the perfect amount of close to Zataran. Yeah, it's, it's very close. Yeah, uh, like it, it sounds like a spice. It's not. It's a self-titled album uh, released on Bandcamp for free. Okay. The digital download anyway. I believe there's two labels that uh, have pressed this LP. Well, this came out June 24th of this year. Now, crusted death metal. It's got that crust punk thing. Uh, I see this tag around, crust punk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really hear the term crusted used for things outside of the culinary world, but I'm going to use it here because I feel like this is much more death metal and uh, just crusted as in Sesame with Ahi Tuna. It's there, it's important, but this is meat and potatoes death metal. Crusted potato casserole yes heavily <laughs> crusted death metal so this is it doesn't sound like those netherland bands uh that don't stop like inhuman stuff like that but it has the same kind of raw element they break it down but the tones are just giant the bass sounds huge this guy's vocal performance is uh it's it's guttural about 85 percent of the time and then he hits those like more crust influence screams throughout so it's well balanced like that. Kind of keeps you on your toes for something that is so um, like heavy on the aggression. Um, it's, it's so death metal when it goes death metal. Mm-hmm. It kind of like reminded me of like uh, like if Deicide like was a crust band or something. Because they're from Poland, initially I'm like Vader. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this is this sounds like if Vader did like uh, a little more punk um, oriented songwriting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So either either way, this is this is a solid album, and I recommend it. Check it out. Uh, Zatrata's self-titled 2020 album. Check it out. 
right, dogs. Uh, I'm talking about the band Gamora, G-O-M-O-R-R-A-H, uh, from Oxen, England, uh, over there in the big old United Kingdom. They were around uh, in 1990 um, through the early 90s. They put out two demos, two full lengths. Tonight I want to talk about Reflections of Inanimate Matter, their first full length album from 1994. And uh, unfortunately, I do have to start this off by saying rest in peace to Sven Olifson, uh, their vocalist, who uh, passed away in 2014. So um, uh, rest in peace and cheers to him and to the rest of the members of Gomorrah, a very interesting band that I personally overlooked uh, many years, throughout all these years, uh, because I recently discovered them. The... um, uh, cassette version of this album Reflections of Inanimate Matter was uh, recently put out by, um, hold on, I got it uh, Roots Active Productions Uh, I obtained it through uh, Hell's Headbangers along with a few deceased tapes uh, that I'll flex on you another time but I I was really uh, compelled by this cover art um, this cover art is amazing, and it's kind of there's there's something about some of the early death thrash albums uh, and early '90s death metal albums uh, where the cover art isn't necessarily like a, a big explosive corpse or something ultra satanic. This is this just has like a very kind of mysterious, dark, uh, abstract quality to it. If you look at the cover art here, and then you read some of the lyrics too. There's um, uh, the the opening song uh, without trace uh, is about kind of just cases of disappeared people and uh, you know it, it's it's it, ref- it kind of harkens back to like I remember in the eighties and nineties is something we talked about a little bit with King Fally of deceased too just um, uh, this 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 culture of uh, you know hitchhikers serial killers. Uh, missing people and, and kids on milk cartons and there's the first song on this album just haunts me like that because I read the lyrics along with it and there's a haunting quality to the music that really speaks to me man this is uh, an amazingly um, atmospheric album in some ways it's right in the area of that like like thrash into death metal that Justin you've been bringing a lot of stuff in yeah, uh, you know like you talked talked about Master a while back uh, you, you brought in that Sadist, Sadist album yep. Uh, but uh, this aggressor, is like, yeah. yeah, this is like right there with a lot of that classic stuff, and it's a good find for me because it's got that straightforward kind of chunky, thrashy, uh, headbanging brutality to it. But there are some really uh, kind of like heartfelt, um, uh, uh, dark leads. Um, just, just you know, like like, and and the bass playing too is um, uh, very. Um, they don't. The guy, you know, I, I wish I could find the right word to say. He doesn't just follow the riff with a bass line like like a lot of bass players do. Uh, it's very virtuoso kind of bass playing. And when they when they when they do some of these lead parts that break up the very stoic, brutal, thrashy uh, early death metal, it gives it so much personality and kind of haunts the music. It almost I'm reminded in some ways of like the early Finnish death metal bands like Depravity and early Amorphous um, and Pertinence. Uh, how they would have like um, uh, these haunting kind of leads uh, that were more akin to black metal than death metal at the time. Gamora does something with that, and I gotta say, this album sounds like the cover art, and that was one of the reasons I had to get it, man. So this is just an awesome tape that I gotta own. I'm not flexing because it's a tape. You guys know I'm back in the <laughs> CD world now, but still, I'll still cop a tape. I don't care. Uh, this Gamora Reflections of Inanimate Matter um, uh, on Roots Active Productions. I was able to get it uh, from Hell's Headbangers. Look around for it. What a great album. Uh, rest in peace to Sven Olofsson, the vocalist, uh, of course, who passed away a few years ago. And I'm not going to talk it up anymore, man. You just got to get into this and check it out. And like I said, I think it fits nicely with some of the classic uh, bridge between thrash and death albums Justin's been talking about lately. Yeah, it's so damn moody. Mm. Yeah. Mm really like that uh that little caveat to it uh th- those leads like definitely bring a, a cloud over it you know like a horror movie it's dark it's like it's like you know what it, it honestly is like one of those old english hammer horror movies uh horror movie fans know what i'm talking about uh the hammer uh production company i believe but yeah it's, it's like one of those old english dark comedies there's the atmosphere the clouds but yeah gamora get into it man really good stuff 
Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show. Wait a minute. What? 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 What's going on? Wait. Wait. Uh, voicemails. Oh, they exist. I. It's. I'm. I know. Come on. Well, you know, it's I, always about get them on the phone. Yeah. Get. Put them on. <laughs> All right. Leave me. Leave <laughs> me a voicemail. Let me know you're calling so I don't answer it. We got some messages. <laughs> we got some messages. Let's do it. Hey, heavy hole podcast. Uh, Andrew calling from lockdown London here. Big fan of the show. Just wanted to drop your voicemail and let you know you're doing a great job. Uh, I think this is the only podcast out there that covers this kind of disgusting shit. So, yeah, some personal favorites have been the uh, Dan Swano, who's a bit of a metal hero of mine, uh, Sharon from Decatur, and uh, the Ping episode with Paulo. I was actually due to come and travel to New York in March to hang out with Paulo and have a beer. I've known him since the old uh, Relapse Records message board days. He's been an internet friend for a long time, but uh, yeah, sadly it was cancelled just at the last minute. So, shout out to Paulo. Um, don't want to bombard you guys with recommendations, but just one quick one. This uh, album by these disgusting freaks, Miscarriage, called Imminent Horror, which is a double LP that I can only describe as uh, something like early swans being played by early carcass. So I'm sure that I'll float the boat to some of you... Uh, out there it's pretty disgusting it's not for the faint hide but that way anyway take it easy i'm gonna keep listening and uh yeah keep up the great work thanks guys oh yeah andrew from lockdown london thanks for calling in man yeah thanks a lot andrew and wow right at the, he said he said the band's name is miscarriage and it sounded like the early swans being played by early carcass i i i, I think i got a headache from thinking about that <laughs> Wow, that, that sounds super ugly. I gotta check it out, and thank you, Andrew, from Lockdown London. Ugly music. Thank you for recommending that. It reminds me a little bit stylistically of Long Island's own Rigor Sardonicus, um, which which we could get into another time. But yeah, yeah ugly recommendation there. Miscarriage. Wow. Ugh, oh, okay. I, oh, oh. All right. Hey guys, Cody Hager here. Just wanted to uh, throw out a episode idea for <clears throat> the best. Um, solos and songs. You could do like, uh, you know, like the haunting solos or some of the power solos or, you know, your, your straight up thrash solos that came out through the early 90s, the late 80s. Uh, I guess for me, and the reason I kind of thought about this is I just heard the solo in uh, Eye of the Storm by Harness and about the three a minute mark. And I, it's what I envision would be playing in a creepy castle where people essentially. Uh, never uh, leave. So, episode idea. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, Cody Hager, man. Shout out to him, man. Loyal listener. Appreciate you calling up again, man. Yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. like the idea. And a really obscure gore grind guitar solo popped into my head when he said that. That I'm not going to disclose right now. We're going to do that episode eventually. No, yeah, I think that uh, yeah. that would be one of those episodes we'd find out halfway through it that we needed to make it like a two parter. There's just oh, too many, sure. too many good solos yeah. out there. We'll, we'll, be, we'll we got to talk behind the scenes, guys. We'll, we'll figure that one out. Definitely, good idea, Cody. We'll give you, we'll give you credit, man. We'll, we'll give you uh, an incredible royalties check uh, for that free episode when it comes mm-hmm. out. Now, should somebody else want to follow that example and call us up, talk about bands, ideas for the show, uh, maybe just 
complain about uh, the lack of fishing content on this show. I'm sorry. We'll get back to it. Um, what's the number? 631-837-3274. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Tom, uh, I don't think Justin was even paying attention. What's that number for Justin? Yeah, hold on, because I got a great memory. <laughs> Tell me it right now. 631-837-3274. That's it. That's right. That's Somebody right. knew it. Four. Dial the numbers. It's amazing what you can achieve when you pay attention, especially yeah. to the music in your life. That's right. But, you know, just check it out. Save the number in your phone to Heavy Hole, and then just type in Heavy Hole Podcast into your phone, and and it'll make the call for you, just like you could type in heavyholepodcast.com into your uh, web browser of choice. And there's yeah. so there are so many beautiful, capable, high-functioning web browsers out there. <laughs> so whichever one that you're uh, running on your uh, machine... Open up that search bar, usually at the top, and type it in, heavyholepodcast.com. Yes, that's right. For heavyholepodcast.com, uh, you can go check out all of our different social medias. We're on all of them, all the ones that matter. Um, uh, you can follow us uh, on Instagram Live. I'm doing a little thing every Sunday night. I'll talk to you 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, uh, you can pop questions. You can show off uh, your merch. Go live with me. I'll kick you right off if you do some crazy stuff. And if you want to support us on Patreon.com, we got our own Patreon account, uh, Heavy Hole Podcast, uh, different tiers, bonus episodes, early access to videos, things like that. And you can, uh, once or twice a month, we'll let you know somebody who's coming on the show, and you can shoot your own questions that will uh, that will factor in, and we'll shout you out in the interview. So check out our Patreon, um, and go to HeavyHolePodcast.com for all that information, or um, if, uh, like me and Justin and Tom, you forgot the phone number already. Yeah, I forgot it. But it is 631-837-3274. Oh, it wasn't one? <laughs>